0: the earliest dated memory because I remember the experience and then years later I saw a photo of it that was dated December the 23rd 1989 when I was 12 days old.
1: On today's show I'm proud to say I've got someone almost entirely unique. Rebecca Sharrock is one of 80 people in the world with HSAM which is an ability to remember every moment of your life stretching back as far as the womb. What would you do with such a power? Or is it a curse? Rebecca will shed some light on the matter. She also has obsessive-compulsive disorder and autism, but it's her near-perfect memory that puts her in the rarest of rare groups, one that makes up just 0.000001% of the world population. Given the cognitive nature of the episode, this seemed like a great idea as a follow-up to last week's podcast with cognitive scientist Dr. Lyra Boroditsky, where we discussed the way languages shape thought and how the mind works. I say we discussed, I, I mean she told me, and I listened and asked her uh, stupid questions. Rebecca is a huge Harry Potter fan, something we both have in common and were able to bond over. She was actually supposed to be going on a trip to the Harry Potter world at Universal Studios, but it was cancelled due to Covid. As you'll hear, she knows the book's off by heart and is able to finish any line you throw at her from Harry Potter. You can find the video version of that particular clip on Twitter and Instagram on AndrewGold underscore OK, while Rebecca is on R underscore Sharuk. The things she shows me are truly remarkable and open up all sorts of questions about the human mind, memory, the subconscious, and how it all links up. Also, her lovely mum, Janet, shows up halfway through to give some great insight about what it's like living with somebody who remembers everything good and bad that you do or say. A few warnings. One, I'm going to attempt a terrible, terrible accent um, once again. I've done that before. I have previous. I've been criticised many a time for it, but that's not going to stop me. Uh, Rebecca's not the first guest we've had from Queensland, Australia. I had the uh, Coffin Confessor, who reveals secrets at people's funerals uh, just a few episodes back, and I tried to impersonate him. He got in touch afterwards, actually, to tell me he was chuffed with my attempt. I mean, I'm known for being terrible at these accents. Uh, Another warning, something my girlfriend Julieta has picked up on and mocked me about... Um, is that I've been mentioning a lot lately how many languages I speak. It comes up again here because Rebecca's a big language fan and has has started learning new languages and things. Um, But from now on, I'm going to make a concerted effort in future episodes uh, to keep doing it. Because at the end of the day, it took an extortionate amount of time and effort to learn to speak five languages. And it has very little practical use day to day. Uh, You don't often just bump into some French person who doesn't speak English on the street. Uh, I never get to use it so I might as well gloat about it on this podcast. That's what I told Julieta anyway. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and please leave me some lovely new reviews on the Apple Podcast app. It makes a big difference and enables me to keep making this thing. They've been drying up the last week or so, although I do have a few that I'll be reading out at the end. But Tell me where you're listening to this and any funny stories relating to the episode or your state of mind as you listen. But for now, I'm trying to impress Rebecca Sharrock with my best Australian accent. Hello, I'm from Australia, so this is how we talk. (laughs) It's bad, isn't it?
0: I've heard worse.
1: <laughs> so I'm very sorry to hear about Harry Potter this morning. I mean, I, you know, I'm from Watford. It's a town outside London. And we've got like the original Harry Potter museum where they filmed all this, a lot of the stuff. Ah. I love I love it. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan myself.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff, Harry Potter. I like Fantastic Beasts as well. Do you? Yeah, often I find many people I know who like Harry Potter... A lot of them don't like Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, but I like the two. Do
1: you mean the movie or the books? Fantastic. Are there books of Fantastic Beasts?
0: The books are the the script for the film, but there was in two thousand and one J.K. Rowling brought out. It was just it was. Harry's text book Fantastic Beasts and where to find them it was just all the names of the creatures and stuff
1: I'm such a big fan I've read them all about um, the Harry Potter books that is I've read them all about four times each time in a, in a different language
0: I'm learning Spanish at the moment. I'm up to level four, so I've got five courses and then I've completely learned the language and then I'm moving <laughs> on to French.
1: See, that's one of the things I was going to ask you. So with your ability, uh, how, how is language learning? Presumably it's a bit easier for you than it would be for the average person.
0: I'm finding when I'm doing classes, as soon as I'm told a word in Spanish and have to use it in a conversation it just stays in my mind but I still have to learn I have to learn the language because I I haven't before I started learning Spanish I had not heard it spoken much before so I had to learn it like I had to do English but one very similar to when I was learning talk you know just talking as a toddler I had to When I'd hear a phrase, I only then knew the meaning years later once I knew the words, and that's happened with Spanish too.
1: Okay, so you're learning a word, but you don't necessarily understand the the full meaning of it.
0: Yeah, until I I discover it or I'm told, or now I can just look it up, I can just type it into the computer, what does this mean, and it tells me.
1: Okay, presumably you did uh, some languages at school, did, or did you not yeah yeah so, I did
0: but we compared to the LePont language school which I'm doing now which does adult classes what I learned at school was very basic in comparison
1: you must have a basic understanding if, you, yeah. if you've never forgotten yeah. the words
0: yeah but to a you know school age in Australia we call them low classes languages other than English so Just very general words like, hello, thank you, goodbye, please, you know, and all of that stuff.
1: What could you say? Is there anything you'd be able to say to me in Spanish?
0: Necesito practicar mi español más porque... No es tan bueno aún.
1: Wow, that's pretty good. I need to practice more Spanish because it's uh, it's not very good yet. Yeah, pretty impressive. What? So tell me a, a little bit about what do you what do we call uh, your ability to remember things, uh, everything? What's the What's the official term for that?
0: It's called HSAM, which is an acronym for highly superior autobiographical memory. It used to be called hypothymesia about ten years ago, but the UCI who diagnosed me with hsam i had to do years of tests and brain scans with them the university of california they changed it to hsam because they thought hypothymesia sounded more like a disease right so they changed it to hsam hsam
1: they flew you out to california to do tests did they
0: well i did many of the tests via skype and that was three in the morning in the middle of winter my time but I still, I did it because I knew it was important. And then in 2014, I went over to California to have a brain scan done.
1: Oh my word. What did they find?
0: They found out a few things. One, when they were, they looked at my, the size of my brain for the first time, they said, wow, that's a really large, (laughs) that's a really large brain. It fills the whole cavity in my head. And I've got a very large skull
2: too.
1: It's a perfectly lovely looking skull. I should just say for people who are just listening, it's normal yeah. everyone listening is imagining this huge head right now. It's a, it looks like yeah. a normal sized head. And I but, know
0: yeah. with hats, too, way off. And I've always had a large head, so I've had to always oh. make sure the hat was had elastic on it. Right. Yeah, but they found out too that my subconscious and conscious part of my brain is more connected than usual. Wow. And they're thinking that could be a major contributor to being able to retrieve early memories so easily because most of them are stored in the subconscious. So if my mind has more access to it, I'd be able to bring them up. They think that's why.
1: Is it? Is it something that's just... Yeah. Is it like you have to go inside a door in your head? If I say to you, uh, what happened when you were seven on June the 11th or whatever? Do you have to go inside a door in your head or is it just you know?
0: Well, June the 11th when I was seven, that was 1997, June the 11th. I know that following weekend, which was the... I know the – see, I didn't really follow calendars then, but I did know that the 14th of June was a Saturday because I went to the city that day and I went into the clock tower. So – and I went with my grandparents too. The 11th was during the week. So if I go back three days, say, to Wednesday – you know, I was in year two, grade two at school and
2: mm.
0: I I was just doing, you know, stand I mean very typical grade two stuff, you know. Um I I had to get a photo of from when I was a baby and I had to write a quick essay on it, you know. <laughs> which an wow. essay then would have been about. But anyway, I know on the fourteenth I did check my calendar that day because I did go to the city with my parents and grandparents and we went into the clock tower in Brisbane.
1: The way that we're all am- amazed by what you can do, and you must be used to now people just going, what? Every time you tell them this kind of thing. Are you sort of amazed that we can't do that? Is that, is that bizarre to you to imagine? Yeah. How does that feel for you?
0: It's really strange just to think of living a whole section of your life and just it being just vanished. That's really strange to me to have lived it, but just not there anymore. That's really strange to me.
2: Yeah.
0: But when I see, I didn't know it was abnormal until 2011. I thought everyone could just remember every day of their life, but I only found out out it was unusual when my parents told me about a 60 minutes episode they saw about this newly discovered condition and that's when my parents sent them an email and I started my years of tests from that moment on so but when I met someone with H, and someone else when I went to the University of California in 2016 for the 60 minutes that I myself was featured in there was another young lady she was featured as well Marky Pasternak when I met her we were just so happy because we could talk to each other and we weren't going wow that's strange that's incredible we were just (laughs) looking at it like it was normal and we really liked that experience how we could just look at it look at each other's experiences as oh yeah I do the same you know yeah as if it's just normal
1: so before when I asked you to like to, to go back to that memory of, of June the 11th or whatever it was again again was it was it is it a case that it was just very easy for you to to conjure that up that image or, or was it that you had to sort of go somewhere in your head to find it
0: sometimes I do have to think of the day and then memorize my crossing off the calendar and then and then it comes but in that situation that just came I yeah just it might be to do with the mood i'm in or something
1: it is amazing is it would you say it's a hundred percent accurate your memory
0: oh because it can get changed and this is where this has been included in studies as well sometimes your perspective based on your emotions at the time can change your experience of events yeah so i'd say it's made probably about 90 to 95 percent accurate because sometimes when I relive a memory I have to take my personal emotions from that time away from it because that it's amazing how your emotions can change someone when someone tells you something or you experience something emotions can change the whole experience
1: yeah. do you ever have arguments with people in your life like your mother or somebody yeah because uh, i think a lot of arguments between family members and friends and loves, yeah. it it's it's all comes down to memory because people are always saying no you said this and they're going no i didn't say that i didn't
0: yeah <laughs> yeah that happens a lot and sometimes i'll have they're not harsh you know they're not major arguments they're mainly just social social talk Yeah. Clashes. But sometimes I would have remembered some, or someone would have said, You said this, and I'll tell them, No, I didn't. It was, <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, you get to win every time. Or those, do you sometimes use that? Like, because you could win any argument, because you could say, I didn't say that, and they have to believe you.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's a thought. Maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could win any yeah, argument. I've,
0: I've never tried it as yet, but yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. I would be using it. Every- I'd be like, no, you didn't say that. I have the perfect memory, but I'd be lying. But uh, So is it then, would you call this like a, an, an ability or a superpower or something? Or would you say it's a bit of a curse sometimes?
0: Like everything else in life, it has its pros and cons. I always start with the negative and like to end on a positive note with everything because that puts my mind in a better brain just to end it positively but the negatives of course are when I'm having to relive the bad stuff and it's hard for me to go to sleep in the silence at night I need music on to distract my mind because flashbacks just keep me awake my head my brain's just going haywire when it's quieter my mind just gets more active but when I play classical music to go to sleep, I find it distracts my mind just with calming sounds. Uh-huh. And that. But nice. the positive. So I get to relive, you know, happy events too. And also it's something which makes me a little bit different, which I, I've always liked to be eccentric. I've liked to be quirky. It's yeah. just something about me that's just unexplained and different and i like to be an oddball
1: <laughs> you don't seem like an oddball to me i think um it's really interesting cuz like you know you'll you'll remember this conversation we're having far longer than i will in a few years time i think i think i spoke to rebecca uh what did we talk about
0: i spoke a bit of spanish we oh, spoke we, about i already
1: forgot that <laughs> so do you remember what the first what were the first words that i said when we got on the call
0: hello rebecca how are you and then you spoke about my accent I like your accent
1: oh yeah oh no I wasn't recording that bit I just remembered then I recorded then I clicked record
0: yeah after the accent impression I spoke a little bit about um how I didn't want to do an impression like... oh
1: yeah and then I think we spoke about Harry Potter didn't we
0: yeah and how I liked Fantastic Beasts
1: as well that's right so tell me um Oh, I'm aware of, I don't want to sort of bore you because I, I, I'm aware you must have been asked so many of the same questions and all of these things so many times. And even more than most people, uh, you remember every single time. So does it get boring hearing the same questions a lot? Or are, you, or are you happy to just chat?
0: There's always a few different questions in every interview I've done as well, but there are ones which are standard. But yeah. well, even the standard questions i like to just every time i answer them i try and put a new twist in my answer because
1: i've heard that you can recite any line of harry potter is that right
0: yeah and this is another way to get myself to sleep at night i'll just pick a chapter of any harry potter book and just keep reciting from the start of the chapter until i fall asleep
1: so you're essentially reading it in your mind
0: yeah because at nine nine years old when i had insomnia I realised that reading Harry Potter would put me to sleep because it calmed me down. It didn't bore me, it calmed me. But I had to have my eyes open to read. So what I did instead is that I thought, why don't I just practice reading it with my eyes closed? So I, I just recited it.
1: Would you be able to do that with any book that you've read? Or, or is it because you've recited it so many times, Harry Potter?
0: I when I learned to recite Harry Potter, I did have to practice to recite the words. So uh. that was more of a rote thing. So it was a mixture. It was partially about me from me reading it, but then I did do it as a rote thing as well.
1: Do you mind if I sort of? I think it might be quite fun if I get a couple of lines from from one of the books and see if you can finish them.
0: Yeah. If I hear a line and I know which chapter it's from, I'll have to start at the beginning of the chapter, though, to reach there. Oh,
1: really? Uh, would you know what chapter and book it was? If, they, if it's, um, they heard the click of the mail slot and flop of letters on, on the, the doormat. door-mat. <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> that was chapter three in the um, Philosopher's Stone, the letters from no one which started the escape of the Brazilian boa constrictor and Harry his longest ever punishment. By the time he was allowed out of his cupboard again, the summer holidays had already started and Dudley had already broken his new Sini camera, crashed his remote control aeroplane and first time on his racing bike, knocked down old Mrs. Big as she crossed Pivot Drive on her crutches. Wow,
1: that is the first paragraph.
0: It's coming to the, what you said, they heard the click of the letterbox and flop of letters on the doormat and then get the post Dudley. <laughs> I eventually got to the line that you were talking because I started the chapter and then I, I realized just then I didn't have to go all the way. That's something I just learned. And I didn't have to go all the way to that point. I just started reciting the chapter and then, And then I I immediately skipped forward to where you were.
1: Wow. So then you've got, yeah, Harry dodged the smelting stick and
0: and went to to get get the mail. Three things lay (laughs) on the doormat a brown envelope that looks like a bill, a postcard from un- Uncle Vernon's sister Marge who was holidaying on the Isle of Wight, and a letter for Harry.
1: It's so good. <laughs> What's the furthest you can look back? I know people ask you this all the time, but do you remember your own birth?
0: Because during those very young years, even though I can cast my mind back to moments where I'm, it's assumed that I was in the womb, it can. It's very hard to be proven by skeptics because, of course, I didn't know calendars that early in my life. So the earliest dated memory, because I remember the experience, and then years later, I saw um, a photo of it that was dated December the twenty third, nineteen eighty nine, when I was twelve days old. So that's the earliest one I can date, but because my memories are in chronological order, there are ones earlier than that. And I know that they're earlier because it's chronologically to me earlier, but skeptics would never be able to get a hundred percent proof because of course I didn't know calendars back then. So Okay.
1: But you think that you can remember being in the womb.
0: Yeah. It's assumed you know, assumedly
1: yeah because what
0: i can i just remember being in and it's really it's cliche to say i was in you know mostly darkness so i had my head tucked in my legs and you know i just felt a warm sensation i never felt cold never felt hot and it's a cliche thing to say that so but mm-hmm. i just that's the earliest i can date my mind back to
1: I suppose you don't know if that's if that's something you've imagined because you've seen
0: yeah and also I could very well have been just in a blanket as well so <sighs>
1: It's a nice, nice thought though. I, sp- I suppose people are so interested in that because it's just, it's an age yeah. it's, it's, that we just don't have any access to and we sort of see babies the same way as we see maybe dogs or something and we try and wonder yeah. what's it like to be in their heads? And I suppose you have an idea. I mean, you do know what it's like to be inside the mind of a, a two-year-old, let's say, or a one-year-old.
0: Yeah.
1: And what's it like in there?
0: I mean, I had the same personality. I had the same... Same emotion, like more or less the same emotions. Hmm. I didn't, I mean, I didn't understand as many words, I didn't know as many things as I do now. But I was, I did have more, maybe life because it was more of a novelty then, I was more interested in learning things. Now, maybe it's because the novelty of life's worn off. Oh, God. And that's bleak, but I'm really, I like learning. I've found a new hobby in learning languages, though.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's so, I, I love, lang- I've got a, an obsession with languages myself, so I'm, I'm, yeah,
0: it's a new hobby I've got now. Now I want to learn all of them.
1: Man, I would recommend, um, there's an app called Michelle Thomas, uh, M I C H E L. Um, and- oh, yeah yeah and he was just the best it's an audio thing and you listen and he takes you through like you're sitting in on a class that he does with people oh um, yeah and that's how I learned every language I've learned I, I speak five now and uh, oh wow yeah I got them all from Michelle Thomas so just the best way to learn I think he says to you don't write anything down just listen then you'll start to remember it so that's gonna that's gonna work for you better than anyone I think
0: yeah, there's a really good app I use as well called Mango Languages.
1: Oh, I don't know it. I've got they...
0: it on my iPad. I get And I have free access to it with my, li- my local library oh, membership as well. It's that's really good.
1: good. That is good. They should pay us for mentioning these things, shouldn't they?
0: Yeah, that'd be nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Tell me about it. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? I've seen that you've written that you had like teachers and people would tell you that you won't be able to work and due to your autism. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you want to prove them wrong? Why were they saying that to you?
0: See, when I was at the point where I just left school, I mean, I was what was traditionally categorized as low functioning autism. But I really worked on my therapy to get because i I did want to work in somehow in my life, so i I just had this, and I think there was that urge within me. I want to prove teachers, doctors, and even myself at that time wrong by just trying just even if I couldn't work to the same level as most other people my age at least i I just wanted to try. You know, I wanted to try my hardest and now I've been doing years of doing talks with autism and I've had to practice my talking and speech and communication skills and Toastmasters is really good for that and now I'm doing Le Pont Languages, which is a, a language learning school in Brisbane. It's really good. And I've also started a network, which this year's been very advantageous to do that because now everyone around the world is on zoom or doing video links. So I've been able to trial, I've been researching this idea for a couple of years, looking through databases and doing some work with my therapist who she came on board and, you know, helped me start this new network. I'm calling it embrace your passion or EYP for short. And the idea is it's for people anywhere on the autism spectrum to come along and be introduced to a range of different activities.
1: Okay. Oh fantastic. So you're helping people. And so is that is that what you're doing for work now? Is that yours? Yeah,
0: and that's what that's what I want to do in my life. I want to do talk, I want to talk about autism. Um even travel the world that's why I decided to learn languages and now I'm looking at it as a hobby I want to write I'm writing my book and doing illustrations for it at the moment but I want to start this network and I want that to be that to be my career you know helping other people with autism
1: do you think that your um, HSAM is in any way related to um, autism
0: see it's a very controversial topic because some are saying that it is. Some are saying that it's not. The UCI told me I'm the only one of their participants who have autism, but I do have OCD as well. And there are some who have OCD right. as well as h
1: So there might be some sort of link between OCD and h Yeah. Mm, I used to have. To, we have another episode with uh, somebody who suffers with OCD on this in this podcast. Very very strong OCD uh, music journalist called James McMahon. He talks about how that makes life very difficult for him sometimes.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. And with OCD, like this COVID pandemic is really hard for me with my OCD as well. But what's unusual too is that it seems much of the world. Is getting a small taste of what it's like for me every day, being fearful of getting germs and getting ill. That's it's almost as if it's a small. Ta- everyone's getting a small taste of OCD.
1: Do you live alone or, or with family?
0: Or with my family.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. I got you. Did you see there was a series about um people on the on the autism spectrum and how they were trying to have relationships. Did you see that on Netflix?
0: Oh, yeah, parts of it.
1: Is that something that interests you having I'm just interested because I'd be interested to know how someone might live with a uh, a husband or wife or something with this uh, perfect memory.
0: Yeah, I look I'm, I am interested. I'm you know I haven't in these past few years i've I've been open to it, but i've also I've been busy with a lot of you know a lot of my work elsewhere, you know getting my life together, getting my anxiety sorted and getting my business, which I'm starting sorted, but I am open to it I am keen, you know, and I've been asked by a few places. Would you be keen on that, you know, shows or, you know, and such. And I've said I'm open to it. I'm, you know, I think if it comes, I'm looking at it as if it comes along, that would be fantastic. If it doesn't, it wasn't just meant to be or but I am open to it. I am keen.
1: Hopefully you'll find somebody if, if that's what you want and you'd, you'd make for a great partner for somebody.
0: That's nice to say.
1: What else? What am I missing that people usually ask you that I've forgotten to ask you? Is there anything?
0: <laughs> I'm not asked that often about remembering dreams, mm-hmm. you know, because I can remember every dream I've ever had in my life when oh i was asleep.
1: I didn't even think about that.
0: When I started dreaming, I'm guessing I was 18 months because it was in between my first and second birthday. Right. And it was a cold night and winters in between birthdays for me. So I'm assuming I was 18 months and I just remember I, because before I'd just go to sleep and then wake up, I wouldn't dream. But then when I was a bit, when I was in between my first and second birthday, I, I went to bed one time Well, I went to bed one night and I found myself in this place. I was in a, I was in a dark room that just had glass windows all around and then I went over to the window and then I looked into... It was a lot like a fruit factory, but it was with shoots. So it was like a jungle gym, you know, with bowls and yeah, yeah. stuff, like with foam bowls and stuff. And then I woke up and I really thought I'd left home So when I was dreaming for, you know, that time, and it wasn't until a few years later when I had the verbal skills to ask mum, why do you keep taking us to all these strange places every night? And it would make me scared of going to sleep because I thought I really was being taken away from home.
1: Yeah, do your dreams feel, do they feel more real than maybe other people's do as well?
0: They're very vivid. Hmm. And I always know I'm asleep when I'm dreaming. I'm always aware. I was talking to a psychologist about it. He then was talking to my mum. He was just explaining to mum that I remember all my dreams I can control. If I'm being chased, I can just tell myself to wake up and I wake up. And then my mum, she said, but that's normal. I can do the same thing. She said when I'm being chased I can make a door in a wall and then go through it and the psychologist said to mum that's not normal.
1: <laughs> oh my god, I wish I so could do that.
0: genetic there.
1: There must be. I have this this um, this the opposite. I've got like this thing called sleep paralysis where um,
0: Oh, I've got that too. And I take um anaflil for it. Ooh. Otherwise I get it every night.
1: Right, so your your mind wakes up, but your body hasn't doesn't wake yes. up and you can't move your body.
0: Yeah, and it's really scary and oh. I can't breathe like I can when I'm awake. I try and breathe
1: oh. normally. It is horrifying. Oh man, yeah, I get it. Not all the time, but like, yeah, I'll wake, uh, exactly that, and I'm trying to open my eyelids and I'm like screaming. Yes. In my I'm trying to get my, uh, my girlfriend to wake me up. I'm, <laughs> I want her to push me, so I'm going like, ah, wake me up, wake me up. But in real life, all I'm doing, I'm not making any noise. There's no noise or or tiny noise. I'm just going like, "Mm, mm, mm." but what I'm in my mind, I think I'm screaming at her to wake me up. And sometimes she does hear me and wakes me up and I'm like, Oh yeah. awful. Yeah.
0: And then I have, whenever I do it and then someone would say, what's wrong? Why did you just jump out of bed? And then I have to tell them and they didn't know a thing
1: yeah yeah it's the worst thing sleep paralysis tell me is is um your mother there is she next to you
0: Yep. She's, yep. i can even turn, turn this around <laughs> hello
1: <laughs> Hello. Oh, i'm getting quite dizzy <laughs> you need yeah. to move it down so i can see you what's do, do you want to talk a bit or do, you don't oh, have to be on hello
2: yeah i'll talk i've been sort of saying dreams because Beck has synesthesia as well which they think makes her memory stronger Right. So yeah, she does um so you read taste food and she well I can taste colours yeah. and taste words. Yeah. Or t- if you turn it round I'll go and sit next to Okay, that's so. that's good.
1: I saw you speak on some stuff as 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 well. What's your name, Rebecca's mother?
2: My name's Janet.
1: Yes, Hi Janet. Janet.
2: Hello. Yes, the suffering mum. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Was that a good question I asked before about when you argue with your mum or someone um and you can always remember everything perfectly?
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she can't I can't win. She remembers everything, so that's good.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> so annoying.
2: Not- I just nod and agree. Yeah, it's so
1: funny though because because that is like the basis of like every argument, isn't it? I mean, if I argue with my mum, it's it's every time it will be about us misremember or arguing about what actually happened or what was said. You know?
2: Yeah, but you've got to remember as well. that it's an autobiographical memory, so it's always from Rebecca's perspective. Yeah. So it's not like she's Which right. can affect. It's just her understanding of things at the time is what she remembers. Yeah. So I can say, she'll ask me what a favorite movie was from when she may have asked me the question when she was about eight, and then I'll tell her, you know, and I don't know what was around then, when she was about eight, what movies were around when you were eight. I know when I was eight, Toy Story 2 came out.: All right, so I'll use a that bug's as, life came yeah, out.: I'll use that as an example. So she'd ask me what's the favorite movie? I'd say it's a bug's life.
1: Right. And then
2: when she's older she'd say, what's your favourite movie? And it will change because her autism makes her very literal and yet her memory is very specific as well. So when I've changed my mind as to what my favourite movie is, Becky would get quite concerned or it would give her anxiety because my answer would change. Because she remembers everything. She expects the answers to remain solid through time, but it doesn't work that way for us.
1: So, Which is, and you, uh,
2: you're beginning to understand that a bit, aren't you? I, and even the movies that came out when I was eight, they,
0: you know, A Bug's Life and Toy Story 2, they were kids'
2: movies. Yeah. Well, i just use yeah. that for an example. <laughs> See, that's an example of Becky's literalness with autism.
1: <laughs> uh, when you were a kid, the, the kids' movies were your favourite movies, weren't they? You, yeah, you
2: know? yeah. Yeah. I liked Babe as well the uh, movie
0: about the pig.
1: Yeah. That's one of my earliest memories actually babe because I vomited in the cinema. Um so <laughs> oh, you I, poor yeah. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> well my mum's the poor thing. I remember she turned yeah. me to, to that because I'm I'm the same age as Becky. You you go by Becky I hear now. I was saying Rebecca. Yeah. But um
0: Rebecca's for my formal name so very when formal. I'm doing speeches or when I'm doing business meetings, I'm Rebecca, but in a more social sense I'm Becky or Be- or Beck.
1: Beck. Yep. Okay. Well yeah, I'm the yeah. same age as Becky. So uh well, yeah, I was I was very young as well. Uh how old were we when Babe came out? It was five. Oh my word. Wow. Maybe I was six then. So I feel like I wouldn't remember when I was five. I do remember, yeah, throwing up all over the cinema like people were in front of us <laughs> <laughs> awful:
2: It's surprising though, because people do have memories really early mm. it's not um, I yeah. mean when we went to the it's uni- just buried in the subconscious, yep.
0: but because I have a stronger connection between my conscious and subconscious. Mm-hmm. See, everyone has them because a lot of times when people get Alzheimer's later in their life, they can suddenly retrieve memories that
2: were believed to be lost. Yeah. So they think it's more of a retrieval rather than an ability to remember. They think they have a stronger ability to retrieve the memories, you know. So, I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? It certainly changes the way we look at memories.
1: Yeah. The idea that we've got every single one is stored there.
2: It's stored there. You'd think, you know, it's the brain that, but there's so much they don't know about the brain, you know, So, and they're learning a little bit more every time. Wow. I mean, Becky certainly would struggle with remembering things when she was younger, which is when she was 21 when I first heard about the memory, and then I thought, Becky, I think you have this too, and sort of approached the university on her behalf. And initially, the motivation was to try and turn it off, you know, rather than because you struggle with the negative aspects of your life, and and even it's difficult when you're 21 and you're still challenged by things that happened at school when you were six and seven and yeah. eight, and it didn't make sense to us. It was just constantly to me, me to it. It it was a challenge, wasn't it? Yeah, and I just felt
0: because as well as my autism and OCD, there was something else about me that no doctors or myself or my family understood. And it Mm. made me think that I was just, I was, you know, I was just, my life was cursed. I was broken. And I just, I was just messed up.
1: In what ways, Janet, was it um, has it been sort of helpful and also maybe a struggle at times uh, raising Becky with this, uh, would you call it a condition? Or-
2: well, every aspect of Becky's different disabilities. For every parent who has children or adult children with disabilities, it's challenging. And then when they have dual disabilities, such as anxiety disorders, autism, OCD, You know, the list goes on. And then having other children that also have those disabilities, that's a challenge. So the memory was always something that I would rely on in a sense because I never have to think about dates. I can always just ask Becky and she tells me stuff. So that's been an advantage and with
0: warranties
2: too. You ask me yep. if something breaks, Mum says, "When did I get this? Is it still under <laughs> warranty?" Yeah. Oh, when did we last go to this place, and how long has it been since I spoke to this person? And so she's um, like a little a memory box for me, or a diary that I don't actually have to <laughs> to keep the you know write the words yeah. down. I can just ask Becky. And so it was more the anxiety that was driven by the memories because h is an emotional memory as well. Like when we remember things, we don't sort of relive the memory. So it's not just a case of reciting information. It's a case of reliving the past, wow. constantly reliving the past over and over again, as if you're putting a record on and it gets to the end of the record and then you just put it back on again. So even when we'd sort of talk a lot when she was challenged about, say, being bullied at school when she was seven, we'd get to the end and she'd feel like, say, I feel good, mum, thanks. And she might be 16, but then we have the same conversation when she's 17, when she's 18. So it's kind of like wounds are always left open. Yeah. So that aspect of remembering, I think, is definitely the most challenging, isn't it, in yeah. your life? It's the not having a closure to negative moments. Mm. I mean, and the rest of us, everyone has ups and downs in life, but we kind of move past them as we mature. But the thing is with hate, Sam, that I think is really challenging. And I've changed a lot since in the past 10 years.
0: I've been doing therapy, which has helped me manage my memories a bit more. And Mm. it's... I'm now.
2: You do mindful techniques. And the, and the way when I relive
0: memories, it's not quite so difficult for the people around me anymore because I've been doing therapy, which has been helping whenever I relive these memories, how to ground my mind in the present. And it's helping make life easier for both me and the people I live with as well.
2: Because understanding what's happening, when you have a greater awareness, you know, in the past, I'd be cooking dinner and then Rebecca would be happy one moment and then she'd come in and she'd be asking me questions that were just out of context. And it it was challenging to s- sort of keep myself in the mind. I mean, her her memories go from being 7 to 14 to 20 to 22 to... To five they're so randomly spiraling in her mind you know if she's feeling low or depressed I'll say are you reliving a memory and she'll say yes
1: before Becky was able to process this better was it a case then so like you were like you were saying you'd be having dinner or something and then Becky would would be like just talking normally and then suddenly talk as if you're in a conversation from years earlier yes that's quite scary
2: it is scary well at one point I can the one I can remember clearly is I was making spaghetti bolognese and she came in and she sort of told me about black holes I think it was about black holes Becky will remember the conversation and she just started talking to me and I'm like oh well that's good to know you know and I said I don't remember asking you a question. And she said, oh, yes, you did three or four years before. And I'm like, oh, okay. And she bounced out again, you know, and it's for the time we put a lot of that sort of thing down to her autism. And I thought, oh, she's got a good memory because of her autism. But then um, when I heard about the H Summit 21 and I realized it's more of an emotional memory. Yeah when I saw other people who had it on the television and they were describing and they got visi- visibly upset about a family pet that had died when they were very young, then you could see they were in that moment that the penny dropped for me that it was what Rebecca had. And, and I now sort of I'm work not doing out. that nearly no. as much because... There's an I've awareness. Learnt, yep. but there's
0: an awareness and I've also learnt ways to manage my
2: because you memories can
0: when they go astray yeah
2: and you can bring good memories out too so yeah. when she gets too stressed i mean there's something wonderful about reliving every christmas and birthday <laughs> that you've ever had and you relive the memory with the tastes and the smells so whereas wow. we think about a christmas when we're younger you know becky all she has to do is think of that time and, and that's she's, the odd thing about H Sam. Yeah. When she's eating a meal she doesn't like, if she finds it horrid, she can think about chocolate cake, and the memory of the chocolate cake comes into her mouth. So she. That's can use it only if it's bland, like yeah. mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah. I can then think chocolate cake. With Rebecca, the older the memory, the clearer the memory becomes. Whereas we're the opposite. Our uh... memories fade; hers get stronger. You'll be reaching for something from yesterday, but if I was to tell her from three months to ask her from three months ago, she'd tell me what she had for lunch and wow. yeah. that would so be must, clear in her mind
1: you're thinking I'll ask her in a few months then or whatever so yeah. is it a challenge and I mean you must find yourself sometimes maybe having an argument or something or you've done something wrong, and you're thinking, oh God she's going to remember that forever now yeah mm. I
2: have to it's it's that's a challenge I think. Any marriage, look, my my husband's my soulmate, so I'm not going to drop him in it. But you know when you have to watch everything you say, I watch yeah. everything I say with Rebecca. And also you know that everything you say that comes out of your mouth, yeah. she's going to remember. And when yeah. you know, you know like, it's having a child and you don't swear in front of them. Yeah. You know, and instead of saying naughty words, fish fingers and all this sort of thing, it's constantly having to walk that fine line so there's no moment that I can sort of lose control and get angry because I know in the in the moment people say things you really can't take it back it's uh, but that's a challenge being a parent that you have to be on your game and be thinking about that all the time that's a challenge but we have other children (laughs) that have disabilities that we have to sort of be careful with what we say and explain what we're doing hmm. and all the time anyway. So
1: how many siblings does Rebecca Becky have?
2: Four. And I'm the oldest. So I'm ah. the oldest of five. Right. So Rebecca and her sister are my biological children. And then I have three stepchildren that live with us as well. Oh. So her sister Jess has moved out a couple of years ago. She has she's on the spectrum as well. So she's living independently, so that's good. And we but have, she a does have to call mum three I times do help her. <laughs> a day. Yeah, and more. <laughs> she has panic attacks and oh. anxiety disorders as well, but she's doing well. Yeah. Yeah, she's doing well. And the others are really good. Brent's my husband, he um, we have an older son, he's our apprentice in our business. We're spray painters. Huh. Oh, and cool. um, we've got our own business, yeah, motorbikes and so on. So and he's a um, fourth-year apprentice now, and he has autism, and then Dylan has intellectual impairment.
1: Okay. So he's
2: just finished school. So he has he's working at supported a place of supported employer for people with intellectual disabilities.
1: Right. And then
2: I have a, um, a stepdaughter who's now living in a – they call it a SIL, Supported Independent Living. It's for a home – where they have carers present for people who are intellectually impaired. So we have a challenging life, but a good life,
1: yeah. That does sound very challenging. Yeah, it's full. But you've clearly done a fantastic job job with Becky. Oh,
2: thank you.
1: She's so very easy to have a conversation with. And and from what I'm imagining, from what you're saying, how she, how she was, it seems like she's very well able to process everything now.
2: Yeah, and she has a processing disorder too, so yeah. she really does. But well. I was determined from
0: when I was told when I was at school that, it was thought that I'd never be able to work. I'd never be able to live an independent life. I'm doing all I can to just to just try not to pressure myself to be perfect, but just to see, I, you know, if it's true that I could never work. And now I think I'm at a level where I am working because I'm guessing my business started, my network started. I'm... So that yeah. is something which ended up being proven wrong.
1: And you're you're writing a book, aren't you? Yeah,
0: yeah. And I've written all I've written all the material. I'm just doing all the illustrations of my oh, cool. memory. So I'm doing sketches of what I visually saw at different ages. And I'm still looking for a publisher for the
2: book as well. Okay. Well,
1: if any publishers are listening. This sounds like a great book to, to me. So so get in touch. Oh. Thanks. I hope they do. Thanks. <laughs> so she's
2: potting along. She's like, she reminds me of the um children's book. I think the little engine that could, that just chugs along. It's yeah. just, it's good. Yeah, Aww. she works so hard and she's constantly busy and active and she's got an enormous... Harry Potter world, Lego train, you know, Lego village. Yeah, she's creating and she's always drawing and doing works, which is good.
1: Now that was a trip down memory lane. It was absolutely fascinating to speak to Rebecca and Janet. And I suppose sad to see how... Once the doctors found out about her condition, they wanted to turn it off. And it does sound somewhat nightmarish to live with. And I think, by all accounts, Rebecca's actually doing remarkably well considering. From a place of ignorance I had beforehand imagined it as a bit of a superpower, I thought, for example, that she'd be able to learn any language just by leafing through the dictionary. But of course, learning languages is about far more than words it's about their context it's about abstract concepts idioms facial expressions and gestures and many other things that perhaps rebecca's autism might impair that said it sounds like she's doing pretty well with spanish i'm still going on about languages but you know that she rebecca mentioned it not me but yeah anyway my you know i'm not a doctor so feel free to tell me i'm talking nonsense uh about autism and learning languages and things uh, I'm on Andrew Gold underscore ok on Twitter and Instagram. Rebecca's on r underscore Sharrock. Someone who is a doctor, a cognitive scientist in fact, is Dr. Lira Boroditsky, the guest on my previous episode who knows a lot about languages. Not yet sure who will be on next week as I've got interviews planned with a few people, so we'll see. If you haven't already, please do subscribe on whatever platform you're using. If you're on Apple, leave a review, and tell me something interesting or funny so I can read it out at the end of the show. Last week, Jahor88 said, Bit different and random. I listen to this when I'm not sure what I want. Always interesting and well done. Thanks, Jahor88. I love that. I really like that because when it's just platitudes, I suspect it's secretly my mum using different usernames or friends and things just, you know getting together and saying, oh God, we better write something on Andrew's podcast. But that was so nonchalant in its praise that it had to be a real person. I like imagining Jehor 88 feeling unsure about what they want and going, okay, let's see what's on, on the edge with Andrew Gold. It's got to be better than this nothingness. Fellow podcaster Mikal from Hypothetical, a What If podcast, said... I love the variety of interesting guests. Andrew is inquisitively disarming and not afraid to broach subjects that most might find taboo. Thanks Mikhail, and if you like taboo stuff, remember we've got an episode with a psychopath, an ex-Muslim whose family are trying to kill her, a man calling from prison where he was sentenced to 17 years for accidentally killing his wife, and a teenage school head boy, or class president in America, called Silas, who tells me he's a pedophile or pedophile. On that note, goodbye. See you next week where I'll be talking to someone I find fascinating and I hope you do as well. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumpercasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take
0: it easy, Judy. (laughs)